welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to The Ralph Report for a Monday. I'm sorry, nothing I can do about it. It's a Monday, we all have to get back to our business, whatever that may be, school, work, what have you. But look, at least we have each other. You're here, I'm here. Let's make the best of it, shall we? I had a pretty good weekend, hope you did too. Uh, my girls are back. My wife and my daughter finally got back yesterday on Sunday. So the family is reunited and we're, uh, still have a little bit of spring break left for my kids. So we're going to take off later this week. And so, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, there will be, uh, some new content for the Ralph Report. I won't be doing the stuff I usually do with the showbiz news and everything else, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, Monday and Tuesday will be complete brand new shows, and starting today, Monday, of course, that means... The top five things I learned this weekend. That's right. What did I learn this weekend that I can share with you? It was a very productive weekend. Uh, my girls didn't get home until Sunday night, so I had a whole full weekend to learn a whole bunch of stuff that came in very handy, and I hope it does for you as well. Number five. Number five is that um, nothing makes me feel worse about myself than people who jog in the rain. It was raining here in Southern California this past week, a ton. We had a ton of rain for Southern California. You don't move to California, especially Los Angeles, for the rain. But when we do get it, I know everybody says, oh, we need the rain. Yeah, fuck that. I, I, I hate rain because uh, I'm not used to it. I, I grew up in Philadelphia. We got all kinds of weather. But when I moved to Los Angeles, one of the pluses was that I didn't have to deal with the rain. And uh, when I do get it, I psychologically... It fucks with me because intellectually, I know we need the rain and there's a drought situation and it's all good. But psychologically, I resent it and I don't want to deal with it because no one knows how to drive in the rain in Los Angeles. And you end up staying home and being sort of sequestered because it's a nightmare out there in the world. But when you do have to drive in the rain, nobody makes you feel shittier about yourself and about your choices in life than the people who are still going out for a run in the pouring rain. It's just coming down, cats and dogs just pissing down rain, and they're still out there just chugging along, getting their run in. And I just, part of me feels shitty about myself because I'm a lazy slob who's not running when the sun is out, let alone when the rain is out. But I'm also thinking about those people, really. You couldn't go outside and say, ugh, you know what, I, I can skip a day. I can take this day off. Who wants to go running in the rain? That's not that's not good for anybody. I'm just going to kick back. Maybe I'll I'll do some sit-ups or some push-ups inside. I'll stay dry. No, they have to go out there. It seems like they're doing it on purpose to make me feel bad. They're going to show me that oh, no no rain or sleet or storm will stay me from my appointed workout. I'm just going to get out there and just chug along and make you feel shitty about yourself. I don't like to drive in the rain. And they're running in the rain. So uh, the people who run in the rain, you're making the rest of us feel bad. I hope you're happy. And I bet you are, because I think that's why you're doing it. Number four. Number four is, it is much worse socially, in my opinion, to show up someplace, to someone's home specifically, early than it is late. I had an appointment uh, this week while my girls were gone. 
and don't don't think anything. It wasn't like a hooker or a masseuse or anything. It was a business appointment, and I had a, a time set where I said if I do the if I do this at noon, I know I can get this work done and uh, at appropriate time, and I, and I will be ready to go at noon. So I will ask this person to come at noon. And the person rang the doorbell at eleven thirty a.m. And I'm sure in their minds they were thinking, well, this was. Um, better because we can get an early start on the work and this way no one has to feel rushed because we only have an hour or so to complete it. I'll get there early and that will actually be a beneficial thing to everyone involved. Wrong. I think it is incredibly rude to show up at someone's home specifically a half an hour before the appointed time because here's what happened. It was a half an hour before the appointed time and I was literally getting out of the shower. I answered the door in a robe. And I felt like an asshole, and they felt it was weird, it was awkward, and it's all because they showed up a half an hour early. It's worse to be early than it is to be late. If they had showed up a half an hour late, I could have used that time working on something else. I could have filled the time. At least I wouldn't have been caught unawares. They could have sent a note or something and said, I'll be there half an hour after we originally scheduled. Sorry, something came up. I can manage late. I can deal with late because late means I'm showered, I'm dressed, I'm ready to go at noon. If they show up at 1230, I'm not wasting that half an hour. I'm doing something else. And when they show up, we'll get to work. But if you show up a half an hour early, I can't, I can't cope with that. I can't, I, can't, I can't manage that because you are digging now into my time that I needed to prepare for your arrival. And you have fucked me up for the day. And you've made me uncomfortable. By showing up early. Because this was a stranger. I didn't even know this person. It's not like, oh, you know, my dad or my sister coming by for some family meal and they show up a little bit early. I can cope. It was incredibly awkward. And I realized this this weekend that that's so much ruder to show up early to someone's home than it is to show up late to someone's home. Number four. Number four is I have a weird quality. And I bet other people share this quality as well. Once again, driving out there on the road, in the world, do you find that you have, like, same car buddies? Does this make any sense? I have a specific kind of car. I drive a Mustang that is Grabber Orange, is the name of, the official name of the color. And it's not a common color, but it's not uncommon. It's not unheard of. I see other cars with that same color. And that's my point, though, is when I see someone with a Mustang, the same color as mine, the same basic uh, body type and year and style, invariably, if I see them at, next to me at a light or they're coming the same way, if there's, a, if there's a chance to make eye contact with that person, they will look at me and I will look at them and we're immediately like, hey, what's up? Thumbs up, waving, peace sign. There's a connection through the window like we're pals, like we're friends in some way. We have a friendship based on the fact that we just happen to have the same make and model of automobile. And it's happened to me every time I see someone who has the same car as me. Whatever car that may have been throughout the history of my life as a driver, if I see someone driving the same car, the same color car as me, if we make eye contact, it's like this, hey, buddy, you and me, we're in the same club. That's so strange. I acknowledge it's my weirdness, but I absolutely do it every time. 
There's a wave and a nod and a wink and a thumbs up. There's a whole social interaction that goes on strictly based on the fact that by sheer coincidence, we own the same car and the same color. How odd is that? And I wonder if that's a specifically a Los Angeles thing because we're such a car culture. But it seems odd that we're so wrapped up in the fact that we have the same car and the same color and that makes us buddies somehow. We're like brothers because we have the same car. Very strange phenomenon I witnessed this weekend. Number, number two. Number two this weekend. I want to thank the person who sent me the email. And I can't find it for the life of me. But it was an Australian member of the Garmy who heard me complaining about the fact that now that I'm getting on in age, my hangovers are debilitating. I talked about the phenomenon, I think it was last week. I think it was, because it was uh, St. Patrick's Day. I talked about the phenomenon that in my teens, but basically no hangover. 20s, eh, I felt it, but it didn't, wasn't crippling. So I said 20s, twice as bad as teens. 30s, three times as bad. And you see what I'm getting at. The number progresses with each decade of your life. And uh, they reached out, and I was struggling all weekend to find this email because... It was one of the things, It was people give you random advice all the time, especially if you're known to be a drinker. It's like, well, do this, and you'll never have a hangover, and it's always bullshit. But this person sent me an email and said, you know, the uh, the Australians, and I think it was an Australian who sent me the email, the Australians have it figured out, and of course we do because we're drinkers and, and we care about this kind of stuff, and we've we've figured out how to conquer the hangover, which you see these stories all the time, and they're always bullshit. And so I took this for what it was worth. But I also, given the opportunity, if it's not something too crazy or too manic, I will give it a shot. I'll experiment. What do I have to lose? So this person sent me this article saying that the consumption of Asian pears, either eating them or drinking them, Australians have found out that it is the prevention for hangovers. And the premise is if you eat or drink either a whole Asian pear or drink a cup of Asian pear juice before a night of drinking, it will lower your blood alcohol level and prevent you from getting a hangover. Now, at the time I read this and I said, ah, bullshit. But this weekend I was going out. I was doing Hollywood Babylon. Actually, I was doing Hollywood Babylon uh, Saturday night at the Improv, me and Kevin Smith. And I, I always booze on stage while I'm doing the show and after the show I go to the bar there at the improv and I talk to folks and I take pictures and say hi and whatever and thank people for coming to the show and I keep drinking and I drink all the way till closing and then I go home and sometimes I have a couple more drinks I it's, it's a big night for me and I read this thing and I said, I'm going to test this out and I'm going to get some Asian pear juice. And it's not too hard to find. If you go to a, a Korean market, which are there a plenty of here in Los Angeles, you can find Asian pear juice. And I found some and I drank it. And I said, let's see what happens. Well, son of a bitch, if they're not right, yesterday morning, Sunday morning, I woke up feeling pretty goddamn good. And I did not ease up on the cocktailing at all. Now, they did a study. This actually happened. There was a researcher with the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, which is Australia's national science agency, and they have concluded in a study that consuming Asian pears actually does prevent hangovers. Here's the problem, though. They can't pinpoint exactly why. 
And I don't even know then if that's the case, how they knew it would work. But they said apparently there's some enzymes in an Asian pear that get involved with the alcohol metabolism that your body goes through and eliminates or or, uh, inhibits alcohol absorption into your body and it, it keeps you from getting a hangover. So, look. This is purely anecdotal evidence. It worked for me. I don't know if it's going to work for you or not. Give it a shot. See, what do you have to lose? Go to a Korean market, get some uh, Asian pears or get some Asian pear juice and give it a shot for yourself and see what happens. It worked for me. I'm just passing it along. I know there's a lot of these uh, so-called hangover cures, but the thing about this one is you have to do it before you start drinking. That's the problem. You can't come home after you're loaded and drink it and go to bed and think you're going to wake up and feel okay. You have to do it before you get started. See if you can remember that. You'll see what happens. Number one. And the number one thing I learned this weekend is that I have more respect for porn stars than I do the President of the United States. (laughs) It's so true. It's so sad, yet it's so true. I don't know if you watched the 60 Minutes interview with Stormy Daniels and Anderson Cooper last night on CBS on 60 Minutes, but uh, it was, it wasn't earth shattering. There were no bombs dropped. All the stuff that she was talking about, we had kind of heard before, and some of it had been leaked even before the interview. The stuff that was new, we kind of knew that was coming. But I got to tell you, she seemed credible and reasonable and believable. And I, I couldn't think of a reason why she would be lying. And first of all, she had me on her side because there is this hush agreement that there was made, right? $130,000 went to her to never talk about this. But then the story got leaked anyway. And she said, okay, I want to talk about it. And Donald Trump said it never happened. There was no sex between the two of them. And then Donald Trump... His lawyer also said that he was going to sue her for $20 million for talking about the fact that they had sex, which at at the time I remember thinking, well, if it didn't happen, if your position is it didn't happen, how can you sue somebody for saying that it happened, which means you're trying to keep them quiet from saying it happened, but you said it didn't happen. So already I was inclined to believe that she had nothing to lose and he had much to lose. And that's how I always decide almost any argument. It's like, who's got something to lose? Who's telling the truth? Probably the person with the least to lose. So she was talking to Anderson Cooper last night, and I thought it was interesting um, to hear from her own mouth the stories that we had heard before, including their first sexual encounter together. And apparently it was just as I imagined. She claims she said, I wanted to go to the bathroom in his uh, hotel suite. And, you know, and she admits it was on her. She went to his hotel suite alone. What did she think he was expecting? Of course, he was expecting. She's a porn star. He's expecting to fuck her. So she says, I have to go to the bathroom. And when she came out, there he was. You know, I was in there for a little bit and came out. And he was sitting, you know, on the edge of the bed when I walked out. Perched. And when you saw that, what went through your mind? Uh, I realized exactly what I'd gotten myself into. And I was like, oh, here we go. (laughs) And I just felt like maybe uh, it was sort of, I had it coming for making a bad decision for going to someone's room alone. And I just heard the voice and I said, well, you put yourself in a bad situation and bad things happen. So you deserve this. And you had sex with him? Yes. 
you were 27, he was 60. Were you physically attracted to him? No. Not at all? No. Did you want to have sex with him? No. But I didn't, I didn't say no. I'm not a victim. I'm not... It was yeah. entirely consensual. Oh, yes. And some people are hearing her and saying, well, why would she have sex with someone she wasn't attracted to or didn't care about? Uh, look, she's an adult film actress. Her whole work day is spent having sex with people that she probably doesn't necessarily want to have sex with. She's conditioned that way. She's fine with that. She has made her peace with that activity. And yes, I think she also wasn't intrigued by the idea that she could be on Celebrity Apprentice. I think that that fact that he kept dangling in front of her, quite frankly, kept her intrigued enough to have sex with her that one time, she claims, but also to keep the relationship going. And she said as much herself. He wanted to know what I was up to and when can we get together again. I just want to give you a quick update. We had a meeting. It went great. Um, It's going to be spectacular. They're totally into the idea. And I was like, "Mm, that part I never believed. Did you still get the sense that he was kind of dangling in front of you? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. To keep you interested, to keep you coming back? Of course. I mean, I'm not blind. Um, But at the same time, Maybe it'll work out, you know. Did you view it as, this is a potential opportunity, I'm going to see where it goes? I thought of it as a business deal. But the creepiest part of the interview by far was the uh, Michael Corleone level thuggery that was going on after the fact. As it got closer and closer to looking like Donald Trump was going to run for president and then when he was the candidate for president... The pressure seemed to be ratcheted up. Again, if you believe her, this is all alleged, but it seems like the kind of thuggery that goes on amongst the wealthy and the powerful when they just want to intimidate and shut down those who are not as powerful and not as rich as they are. This happened to her, she claims, in a parking lot, and yet it rings completely true given everything that we've heard about the Trump crime family so far. I was in a parking lot going to a fitness class with my infant daughter. I was taking, you know, the seats facing backwards in the back seat, diaper bag, you know, getting all the stuff out. And a guy walked up on me and said to me, leave Trump alone, forget the story. And then he leaned around and looked at my daughter and said, it's a beautiful little girl, it'd be a shame if something happened to her mom. And then he was gone. You took it as a direct threat? Absolutely. I was rattled. I remember going into the workout class and my hands were shaking so much I was afraid I was going to drop her. Did you ever see the person again? No. So it struck me at the end of the interview as I looked around in my life, I said, this is where we are now as a country. This is, the, this is what we're dealing with with the president and these are the issues we're talking about amongst others. And I remember a time not so long ago when the president had an affair with an intern, which I didn't believe was right of him to do in that situation either. But it was, it almost brought down the presidency. It was a, it was so shocking to American sensibilities that we couldn't comprehend that a president would have sex with an intern. And there was talk of him putting a cigar inside of her and it was, oh, the blue dress. And it was the end of the world. And this thing's a blip. It's a blip on the radar. Eh. The porn star, the playmate, yeah, his wife was, just had a baby, uh, whatever. No one gives a shit about anything anymore. We've been, we've been beaten down as a society to where we have no standards for anyone's behavior any longer. Is, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know if it's either. I think it's just maybe 
what we deserve. Maybe this is what America has become. We are a world of social media consumers and Kardashian worshipers, and we have come to a place as a society, our moral fabric of our society, the, pe- the people that we look up to, the things, that we, the things we value, and the things we won't accept, I think it's all just a big mess right now. We're not quite sure what we stand for or who we are anymore. I think it's, it's reflected in our politics and in our, in our pop culture and in the, the way we treat each other on social media and in the world. I think it's, it's not a good look. America is not the shining city on the hill that it used to be. And uh, that's tragic. But it's also, it's real. And I think we have to, we have to stop judging the rest of the world so much and maybe take a look in our own backyard and say, we got to fix some shit. We have to try to repair ourselves and who we are as a nation and as a people, if we start par- pointing fingers at other cultures and, uh, and other people in other countries and saying we're better than them. we got a lot of work to do because it seems like we're slipping. And that's what I learned this week. The top of five famous famous weekend. All right. Let's take a look at all the showbiz news, shall we? Since it is a Monday morning, we like to take a look at the top ten movies at the box office to see what people went to see. In theaters over the weekend, ah, sad news. Black Panther got knocked out of the top spot this weekend. I knew it couldn't last forever, but it was fun to watch a movie hang on to number one for five weeks in a row, especially a movie as good as Black Panther. But Pacific Rim Uprising came in at number one this weekend. $28 million made it number one. People love rimming. I mean, come on, you can't deny that. People love the rimming. That's why Pacific Rim Uprising was number one. Black Panther did drop to number two this weekend with another $16.7 million, making it number two. I Can Only Imagine came in at number three. This is uh, the religious uh, film, and it's, uh, it's a phenomenon. Whenever they do this, whenever they put one of these spiritual films out and they tap into the, uh, the sort of right-wing Christian evangelical crowd, they show up in droves. They rent buses and they rent out theaters and they, they pack them in. It was number three at the box office this weekend with $13.8 million. Sherlock Gnomes, the kids' movie. My kid is dying to see this film. We're going to see it this week, hopefully. And then come back with little Livy at the movies review of that. It was number four this weekend with $10.6 million. Tomb Raider was fifth. A Wrinkle in Time came in at number six. Love, Simon was number seven. Paul, Apostle of Christ. Came in at number eight. You know, that's an old school religious movie. Not quite as popular as I can only imagine. Came in at number eight with $5 million at the box office. Game Night was ninth. And Midnight Sun rounding out to top ten at the box office this weekend. Speaking of movies, Tyler Perry's movie, Acrimony, is actually coming in handy. It's actually educating people. How so? Is because he entitled his film Acrimony, and it is sending film fans searching for their online dictionaries to find out just what acrimony means. Merriam-Webster reports that acrimony is among its most looked-up words online in March after an intense trailer for the film began airing. There's billboards all over the place as well. The film stars Taraji P. Henson as a woman who is sick and tired of standing by her devious no-good man. Tyler Perry told Page Six of the New York Post how he cooked up the title. He said, I was watching CNN... And they described our president as acrimonious. So I looked it up. I wanted to describe who Melinda, that's the character played by Taraji P. Henson in the film, I wanted to describe who Melinda was, and when I found the word, I knew it had to be the title of my movie. 
And for those of you who are wondering, the definition of acrimony is anger and bitterness, harsh or biting sharpness, especially of words, manner, or feelings. So um, the Merriam-Webster people say that it's getting a, it's a hit. It's number one with a bullet. Everyone's looking up acrimony because they didn't know what it was when they saw the title of his film. And this isn't the first time in my experience that a Tyler Perry movie has caused me to get to a dictionary. Uh, Tyler Perry films before have made me look up uh, unwatchable, uh, shit-tastic, and blomentous. Russell Simmons has been sued for $10 million in a rape lawsuit. This story is fucking ugly. He is facing a rape allegation and a $10 million lawsuit from a woman who says that he sexually assaulted her in a hotel room and, this is foul, threatened to rape her son if she didn't comply. The woman who was referred to only as Jane Doe in the lawsuit said she and her elementary school-aged son were attending a concert in Sacramento for an artist who worked with Russell Simmons when he invited them to go backstage. She accompanied Simmons to his hotel bar and the nightclub and then dropped her son off with a babysitter. The woman says she later returned with Simmons to his hotel but says he assured her he wasn't interested in having sex with her as he was in a relationship with a well-known model. So she thought it was safe to join him in his room. He shut the door and told her, in her words, I am going to fuck you. And then she told him that she had no intention of having sexual relations with him. And he replied, I'm going to fuck you, or I'm going to fuck your son, you decide. Then she alleges that he threw her on the bed and raped her. She's now seeking $10 million in damages over allegations of forcible rape and emotional distress. It is, if true, a terrible, terrible crime. And it is tough to prove unless she saved evidence or it happened recently. And I just... It's its so horrendous to comprehend either outcome. Either he did this, which is reprehensible on every basic, decent human level, or she is making up, she's manufacturing this story in order to extort $10 million from him. Either way, yeah, my God, it's so ugly on every level. And, and wasn't he supposed to be the nice rap mogul? Wasn't he supposed to be the one that we thought was clean and, and artistic and, and above reproach? So, obviously, you want to believe the best in people, but you never know. This is better news. The Mr. Rogers stamp is out. Oh, if we ever needed Fred Rogers, we need him now. U.S. Postal Service released a stamp honoring Mr. Rogers on Friday. The stamp shows Fred and his beloved puppet King Friday side by side. And Rogers' widow, Joanne, was at the event. She said that uh, it was love at first sight when she saw the stamp. I thought it was so beautiful. I think it is so festive. So it was nice that she was on hand. Also on hand was Mr. McFeely, who I never trusted. You know, the name like McFeely. You don't want him delivering mail to your kids. You know what I'm saying? But no, he was also in attendance. And um, it's just, it's great that Fred Rogers is having sort of a resurgence right now. There is a documentary coming out about his life called Won't You Be My Neighbor. Tom Hanks is going to play him in a movie called You Are My Friend. I, I just think great but we also need his show back on the air right now pbs or somebody needs to put it on in regular rotation i know one of the services streaming services i think is um binge watching it now they're putting on a, on a rotation where you can watch it but it needs to be on where kids can have access to it pbs or some regular channel 
because Mr. Rogers is our last hope. You know, I was talking about how shitty our society is and what we've learned to accept in terms of behavior from the people we're supposed to respect and our leaders. And I think we have been circling the drain. You know, this isn't a new thing with Trump or anyone else. It's been coming for a while now. And Mr. Rogers was our best weapon against that because the best hope we have is the next generation. We're kind of a lost cause. But the kids that are coming up, if you look to this thing, the kids from uh, Parkland in Florida who were standing up against gun violence, I mean, it seems like the next generation is going to be either the one that makes or breaks who we are as a country and as a society. And Fred Rogers had a lot to offer when it came to raising really good people, making children into good people. He was their friend, and he taught them important lessons. And I'd love to see him back on television, so I hope that'll happen soon. Let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on today, March 26th. Alan Arkin is 84 years old today. Ah, what a talent. If you've never seen a film called The In-Laws with Alan Arkin and Peter Falk, do yourself a favor. It ages so well. It's one of the classic comedy films of all time. Alan Arkin as Shelley is just a brilliant performance. And Peter Falk opposite him, uh, I'm telling you, you will thank me if you watch The In-Laws. He's 84 years old today. James Caan, Sonny Corleone. He is 78 years old today. Diana Ross is 74. Steven Tyler of Aerosmith is 70. Dream on! Vicki Lawrence from the old Carol Burnett shows turns 69. Martin Short is 68. Oh my goodness, could there be a nicer fellow? I don't think so. It's unbelievable. I'm completely mental, don't you know? He is 68. Jennifer Grey is 58 years old today. Eric Allen Kramer is a name you may not recognize. You might know him from the Hughleys or from uh, Good Luck Charlie on the Disney Channel, but I always know him as the first actor who ever played live-action Thor. He was in an Incredible Hulk movie where Hulk met Thor. He's 56 years old today. Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, 52 years old. Leslie Mann from Knocked Up, and this is 40, is 46. Amy Smart turns 42 years old today, and actress Kira Knightley turns 33. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. A lot of people were talking about the news coming out of Disney about some changes they're going to make to their theme parks to tie in all the amazing adventures of their Marvel superheroes that they now own. And when it comes to theme parks and news, there's one guy that the Ralph Report turns to, and he is our correspondent, Banks Lee, who works for AttractionsMagazine.com. He's got all the scoop, and today's no different. Banks Lee, here we are again. Who knew there was so much theme park news in the world? It really is insane just just how much the entertainment industry and the theme park industry go hand in hand in many ways. I know you got some news for us. What's going on in the world? First, you teased me last time. What's going on with my beloved Gotham City? Yes. So uh, in the past, we've talked about uh, Warner Brothers World in Abu Dhabi. We talked about their metropolis area. And now they've revealed details about Gotham City. Now, this land is going to be an immersive Batman experience. So if you know the Six Flags theme parks, they have Batman rides and and little areas where they just kind of slap on the Gotham theming and it's just regular roller coasters. But this one is going to be immersive. You're going to be walking the streets of Gotham with characters like Joker, Harley Quinn, Riddler, Scarecrow, so many more, and of course, Batman himself. Well, that sounds terrifying. I mean, Gotham (laughs) City's a rough place. You You could get mugged there. 
you you could and hopefully that won't happen here uh, <laughs> hopefully it'll be a, a safer version of gotham but the big ride for this gotham city is going to be called batman night flight now what this is going to be is guests are going to be going to wayne tech headquarters and they're going to step through a secret panel and discover that they've been recruited for test pilots of a prototype batwing and you're going to board this prototype Batwing, and you're going to fly through the Batcave, through Gotham, on this simulator that's going to use like immersive effects. It's going to have scenery, uh, spins, drops, rolls, uh, so many fun elements. It's kind of, a, according to the concerts art, it looks very similar to uh, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey over at uh, Universal Hollywood and Wizarding World. Right. That kind of ride system for Batman. Oh, take my money now. When is this going to happen? When do we get this? Well, this is going to open uh, this sometime this summer with the entire Warner Brothers World Abu Dhabi. Uh, we don't have an opening date yet. We just know it is this summer. So it is right around the corner. And there's so much more to do in Gotham City, too. There's a Scarecrow ride. There's a Joker Fun House that's going to have like a labyrinth, a Hall of Mirrors. Like you're, you're kind of like fun house type elements to it. There's going to be a rogues gallery where you can play games. Uh, of course, Mr. Freeze is going to have an ice cream truck. You can get some ice cream at, it's just <laughs> going to be so immersive. It's not going to be the Schwarzenegger, uh, Mr. Freeze, is it? <laughs> I, I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, everybody come get some ice cream for my truck. <laughs> so what's going on with uh, Marvel and Disney? Cause I know they had some news this week as well. Oh, yeah, big news in terms of, of Marvel at the Disney parks. They have announced three whole Marvel lands that are going to open up at three separate Disney parks around the world. Um, we've known about the one that's coming to Disneyland Paris uh, that was announced earlier this year. I talked a little bit about that last time. Yeah. Uh, Hong Kong is getting one as well. They've already had the Iron Man experience for a year or two now, but they're going to be adding a ride based on Ant-Man and the Wasp. I believe I've talked about that in the past as well, but the big news is actually going to be for Disneyland in California. They are getting a whole Marvel land that's going to be anchored around the Guardians of the Galaxy ride that they already have. Unfortunately, that means that uh, Bugs Land, which has been at the California Adventure since it opened, is going to be going away to make room for this Marvel area. But you know what? I'm I'm okay with that because we get Marvel. <laughs> I know, but I'm going to miss Heimlich. I loved Heimlich the Caterpillar. I love that Thank ride. You. Yes, the Heimlich Choo Choo Train. It is yes. such a... like. A, a beloved classic for Disney fans that mm, we're I all. Love, I love the, the candy corn. I love the candy <laughs> corn that he was eating. That it was always good. Oh, it was such a fun ride to go with my daughter on. But yeah, yeah no, I mean we're going to be getting what looks to be a huge Spider-Man and Avengers attraction. Well, all right, I'm worth. I'm I'm willing to make the trade-off then. <laughs> So it's exciting to see that coming to Disneyland California. And like I said, Hong Kong, Disneyland, Disneyland Paris are also getting their own Marvel areas. And each Marvel area will be unique. There will not be anything copied between the areas. They all have their own unique attractions and experiences to make it worth wanting to go around the world. Oh, time to renew the passport and book the flights. <laughs> so much good stuff going on. Thanks. Thanks so much for taking some time out. I know you're very busy with all this news, but we always appreciate you spending some time on the Ralph Report. I always love joining you, Ralph. Thanks so much. And I love when you guys reach out and contact me because this is a two-way street. Listen, the Ralph Report was built to be a group project, if you will, <laughs> to throw back to high school. We're all in the lab here together, and we're all kind of making this happen. This is a, a brand new animal. This isn't the stuff that I was doing on the radio. This isn't Hollywood Babylon. This is a new creation 
that yes, it's largely this part of myself that I'm looking to share with people, but it's also you and what you're interested in and what you like and what you don't like. So when I get your feedback, it helps me steer the ship in the right direction. And you can reach me any number of ways. Most importantly, I think, is Ralph at theralphreport.com. I read every email that comes through. And of course, you can leave me a message at one eight three three hi ralph And you've done both this week, and I appreciate it. This email comes from listener Monica who writes in, and she kind of broke my heart. You may have known I was already upset because when Tomb Raider hit the theaters, I was already to cash in because I had an idea for a porn parody of Tomb Raider called Womb Raider, and I was going to make a mint off of that. But however, I found out that someone had already done it, so I had another idea for a Tomb Raider porn parody, and that now has been squashed thanks to Monica. She writes in, she says, I was listening to the episode where you were talking about the porn parody of Tomb Raider being Womb Raider and how it had already been done before. Well, I work for an adult DVD distributor, and I thought you'd get a kick out of the fact that my company will be distributing Poon Raider in April. Made me laugh and thought of you in that episode of the show, so I thought you might get a laugh from it, too. No, I'm not getting a laugh from it, Monica. I'm getting heartbreak from it because that was going to be my kid's college tuition. I was going to make Poon Raider, and then boom. I would make all that cash and invest it, and then Olivia goes to Harvard or wherever she's going. So, no, I'm not laughing. I'm weeping. But thanks, anyway, for sending in that email to Ralph at theralphreport.com. Also getting a lot of messages on 833-HI-RALPH, the Ralph Report hotline. Um, You guys are great because you immediately respond to stuff that we do, some things more than others. Jenny, for example, was talking about uh, Sex University last week when we talked about uh, bisexuality with men and women and Jenny seemed intrigued to say the least. Hi Ralph, it's Jenny calling from Ladera Ranch. I apologize for my long-winded message yesterday and I promise this will be my last message for a while but I'm listening to uh, the podcast and your your sex you um, on bisexuality and I, I know the topic is over, but if you ever revisit this during Sex You, I would love it if you would call me. Um, I've got lots of questions, and I I would just like to be a participant and get those questions asked. Jenny is the very definition of bi-curious. She is literally curious about bisexuality. Usually it means someone who just, you know, dabbles, you know, making out with somebody at a party of the same sex. No, she is literally bi-curious. Another very popular segment that we just introduced a couple weeks ago is the uh, One Hit Wonder Wednesdays. Everybody is sending in their suggestions. I get them. I read them. Many of them are already on my list. So uh, if you if you send me one that I haven't thought of, then I will credit you when we talk about these One Hit Wonders. A lot of people didn't know last week's. And that's the beauty of the One Hit Wonder Wednesday is if you know the song, you're like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard this forever. And if you don't know the song, you're like, Oh my God, I love this song. I got to add this to my list. So uh, Melissa called in about last week's song. I played What Do All the People Know by the Monroes? And here was her reaction. Hey Ralph, Melissa here. I'm a three-star general. I love you. I love the new podcast. Great job. I just wanted to let you know I was not born until 1988. I had never heard of the Monroes before, but holy crap, that song was awesome and I love it. Keep it up. Thanks. See, that's what makes me happy. I'm spreading the word. I'm I'm delivering the Monroes to people who have never heard them before, and that makes me happy. 
And then Angelia, she also left a message. She's got an idea for a one-hit wonder, but I have to beg to differ because I don't think this counts. Hi, Ralph. Uh, this is Angelia from Ramlo, North Carolina. Um, I wanted to call in about your um, one-hit wonder Wednesdays. Um, I am a big fan of the 90s. I grew up in the 90s. My 16, 16th birthday was in 1999, so I grew up in the midst of it. One of my favorite one-hit wonders from the 90s is actually a song, um, Roll to Me, by Del Amitri. Um, super catchy. I always love it. Um, and I think everybody would also enjoy it as well. Uh, keep up the great work. I love listening to you every morning. Thanks, Ralph. Bye. See, you don't know this, Angelia, but I am a huge Del Amitri fan. You know who else is a huge Del Amitri fan? And I did not know this until I was at a Del Amitri concert and saw him across the room. Jimmy Kimmel also loves this band. I don't treat Roll To Me as a one-hit wonder because I know the band so well I know all of their songs and they had a couple other songs that charted as well. For those who don't know it, here it is. Look around your world, pretty baby Is it everything you hoped it'd be? The wrong guy, the wrong situation The right time to roll to me Roll to me But I also remember hearing on the radio Last to Know and also kiss this thing goodbye. So come on, baby, let's kiss this thing goodbye. So I don't think they qualify at all as a one-hit wonder, but they are an amazing band. And if you don't know Delamitri, again, you're welcome. Go seek them out and listen to their music and you will enjoy it. The band out of Scotland, Delamitri. And thanks so much for touching base, everybody. Listen, if you aren't a member of the Garmy, do us all a favor. Go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Ralph Report and subscribe. Sign up to The Ralph Report so you can hear every episode all week long, Monday through Friday, including tomorrow's episode which is going to be a good one. We're going to be hearing from the very funny correspondent from the UK, Steve Ashton, will be checking in. Also, we're going to be talking to Jamie Walton, who is a member of the Garmy. She is one of the uh, four-star generals that I called this month because, you know, every month I pick five four-star generals and I call them and we have a phone conversation and it's been going great. And uh, she just happened to be picked, although I know Jamie a little bit because not only is she a huge supporter of the Ralph Report and Hollywood Babylon and friends with Kevin Smith, but she's also head of the Wayne Foundation, which is an amazing charity which does great work with victims of sex trafficking. And we had a great conversation that I will be playing for you during tomorrow's show, and it'll be the first installment of a four-day interview that I did with Brian Lynch. You may not know the name. He's another friend of Kevin Smith's. Uh, but more importantly, he's the man who gave us the Minions. He's the man who gave us Hop, which I always think of around Easter time. He's the man who gave us The Secret Life of Pets. He is one of the most popular and successful animated film screenwriters right now. And I did a great interview with him. We're going to play it in four parts tomorrow and then throughout the rest of the week. So make sure you come back tomorrow. If you're not a member of the Garmy, you got to subscribe to hear the rest of the week of the Ralph Report. Thanks so much for being here today. I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed yourself as well. I love you. I mean it. Bye. <laughs>